We at V2V Community Church believe in the authority of the Word of God. We teach and expound from the scriptures which forms the foundation of our faith. We pray that this message blesses you. you to turn your Bibles with me. Um, first of all, I'm going to teach you about getting out of debt, but before I do that, I need to lay a right foundation, because how many of our hearts says a lot about us? And <clears throat> I want to make sure, number one, when we went to the Pentecostal church, <clears throat> they had this belief that to prosper was wrong. And then you had the other one come up, the prosperity message with prosperity gospel, and they thought that you could have everything, but they both were wrong. <clears throat> the, the Pentecostal church was like, you shouldn't have anything, so we all walked around like paupers. Then the prosperity gospel came, and everyone wanted what they couldn't afford. And it took a lot of us into debt, and a lot of people today are still trying to live that life. And I want to bring a balance for you today. Is that okay? And I lived in both eras, and I could tell you both were wrong. Um, where we were taught that, you know, poverty was more like godliness and humility. And then on the other side, which it was based on what you had when Jesus says it's not, a man's life does not consist of the abundance of the things he owns, but it's your, your heart. Are you rich toward God? Can you say amen? So Third uh, John 2 says, Beloved, above, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospers. How many know you can have money and still not be prosperous? So to be prosperous for me, first, the, the greatest prosperity is my relationship with God. If I have a good relationship with God, I can lose everything God will give back to me. <clears throat> so when he says, beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers, it's okay to have things. But we live in a generation right now where things have us. People are governed by what they own, and we try to show off what we have. That, from the beginning, tells you that your heart's wrong. And many of us want things we can't afford and that's where we're going to talk about the debts and how to get rid of the debts. Because basically, when you look at our lives, what do we actually need? Do we need five cars or four cars? Do we need this house we can't afford to pay for? <clears throat> do we need so much clothes that our wardrobes can't hold anymore? So we've got to talk about the reality of what we come back and lay right foundation so that we get the understanding of how we can live our, live our lives. So today, you're going to have to make a decision to make a lifestyle change. Okay? And Proverbs 35, 27 says that God delights in the prosperity of his children. Again, um, a lot of people take those things and just focus on money alone. <clears throat> but Jesus, I'll give you the scripture soon, that Jesus talked to the man and says, you're not rich towards God. So are you rich toward God? You are? Okay. It's not on the screen? Is that, is that what it is? Three. Have I given the wrong scripture? You think so? Well, find it and let me know what it is when you find it. Proverbs. Huh? No, Psalms. Sorry, Psalms. Is it Psalms? Psalms, yeah. Did I, say, did I not say Psalms? You were, were you listening? Okay. Forget that. You know, you can look it up. Go to First Peter with me. I've got a lot of things on my mind. My best friend is not with me. Things are, normally I run out of church so quick you can't believe anyone could be in it. You think you leave church quickly. But I'm not going to do that. I'm, a, I'm an adult now. Is that all right? Proverbs chapter 2 verse 11 says this. Sorry. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> Erica, come back. <laughs> uh, oh God, where are we? First, First Peter chapter 2, verse 11. Help me today, okay? Would you be kind to me and be gentle with me today? <clears throat> okay. Okay. First Peter chapter 2, verse 11. I'm going to make sure I look it up and repeat it to you. <clears throat> this, now, let's get a picture of us. And our time on this earth. Why are we here? The, this scripture says we're 
sojourners passing through with pilgrims passing through this earth. How many know we're only on this earth for a season? Are you here? We're only here for a season. We're passing through. This is not our eternal resting place. The world thinks that the more they have, the greater they are. But we're pilgrims passing through. How many know uh, this is where the Pentecostal people got it wrong as well? They deemed themselves as pilgrims passing through, so we didn't need to have anything. How many know we all need a home or somewhere to sleep, somewhere to live? How many know we all need clothes? Are you with me? We all need uh, food. We all need uh, transportation, whether it be a leg or a car, whatever. It's okay to have things, but a problem comes when things begin to dominate us, and all we're doing in our life is looking for things. There are many Christians who desire to be rich. The question you must ask yourself is why? Because God knows the, the word of God is quick and powerful, sharp and the twisted sword, and it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So in our hearts, again, Jeremiah 17 says the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? <clears throat> so when we do things, we have to think about the intent of what we want to do with it. Why do you want to prosper? That's a question you don't have to tell me. <clears throat> That's a question you must ask yourself. Why do I want to prosper? What's your purpose? What's your motive for wanting to prosper? Is it that you're so passionate about winning the loss to Christ and helping other people, you want as much money as you can to distribute it to help the poor, to feed other people, to fund evangelism, to fund churches, to help promote the gospel? Is that your goal? If it's not, don't say it is because it ain't for everybody. Don't lie now and get into trouble. Don't say that. Because I had a guy up here doing a baby dedication one time, and he's not the father he's supposed to be. And I said, I don't think you should read these vows. If you read these vows, this is while you all are watching, you didn't know what's going on. I said to him, I don't think you should read these vows because you're not the father you should be. These vows are serious. Not go, you cannot go back on these vows again. Once you've vowed it, God says, don't come back and say it was a mistake. And in the middle of that, I said, I think you shouldn't read these vows. And you all are watching, but I'm, you don't know what I'm saying. I'm saying, I don't think you should read these vows. I'm saying to you, don't say you're going to you do something you don't because it becomes a lie. If your heart's not for God and for the gospel, don't say it to impress people because when it comes out your mouth, it's recorded as a lie. Are you here? Who's the father of liars? Ask your neighbor, who's your daddy? Okay. <clears throat> okay, let's go with this, right? It says, dearly beloved... I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. So when you say fleshly lust, most of us think sexual, right? But there's a lot of, lot of fleshly lust, lust for things. Hello? Lust for clothes. So do you know that some women won't come to church unless they've got a new outfit this week? And it, there's lots of lust for other things. It's not just sensual. But lust, you can lust for food, like some did this week, this month. Did you lust for food this month? Did you eat? You could tell whether you lusted for food by the way you ate it when, you, when it was time to eat. Did you just cut and swallow or did you chew slowly? <laughs> did you eat more than was necessary? Right. So... I want to give you that scripture so that we're pilgrims passing through. We are not supposed to be con so conformed to the world that the, the world cannot tell the difference between the church and them. <clears throat> there must be a difference when the world... Listen, I went to a birthday party on Friday night, a friend of mine, and he's a businessman, and he's got a 15-year-old boy. And as he walked to the door, I was already at the restaurant, always on time. And he walked in the door and he says to his son, I haven't seen him for years. And his son is saying, he goes to me, first thing the, the, my friend says, here's your son. And I looked at him, I said, is that you? Because I didn't see him for years. And I sat with him and this boy is, I've never met uh, any child like this in my life. He does not want anything from the world. I said, what phone do you have? He says, iPhone X. He says, they bought it for, him for Christmas. I didn't really want it. His dad says, I take him shopping, and I make him buy clothes. He goes and takes the clothes back. He wears the same clothes all the time. He says he has no desire for the things of the world. He wants to play football, and that's his dream. There's nothing physical, material, that he wants in this world. That's unique. And Sarah was the one that would take him 
and mentor him when he was a little boy. He was, he was a chubby little boy. Now he's an athlete. He is an athlete now, and he's sitting next to me, and he's challenging people, his cousin, he challenges his cousin to run the two mile, and he said, I'll beat you. This is the chubby little boy. Now he's so focused. He's gymming. He says, I gym every day. But yet he wants nothing from the world. How many people do you meet like that? He's not interested in games or Xboxes or anything. He's got his phone. The only time he took the phone out was to show me. This is my phone. Otherwise, the phone is in his pocket. God help us. Could we be like that? Hmm? Could we be like that? That nothing holds you. Now, turn with me in Matthew chapter 6. I said Matthew chapter 6. I said Matthew chapter 6. What did I say? Yes, Matthew chapter 6. Erica, come back. I don't know how people live with uh, you divorced just like that and just get rid of the person in your life. It's just crazy. Or like now, what would I do when I finish service? Go walk in the park. Hmm? What would I do? Go, go, to go lay down and sleep my life away. Matthew chapter, verse 24. I'm not saying it till I found it now. Verse 24 says, listen, no man can serve two masters. Say it with me. Say it again. Now, it's either the world or it's God. Which is it? Which do you give more time to? Don't remember, don't lie. Don't, don't speak out because you want to impress the person next to you. Because if you do that, it's recorded as a lie. And who's your daddy? No man can serve two masters. So that means we either with one or with the other. He's, Jesus said that you can't serve two. You're either with God or you're against God. You may not feel like I'm against God, but when you choose the dark side, then you're on the, other, on the dark side. It says, no man can serve two masters, for either he'll hate the one, how many hate the devil? How many hate God? You're, it's one or the other. You're either going to hate one and love the other, or else you hold on to the one and despise the other. Which are we holding on to? Which one are we? I'm glad you're not speaking. I'm saying it for you. Which one are we holding on to? The easy way to tell which one we're holding on to is the one we give our time and our money to. Now, you could divide it, give your money to God, but then when you look at what you spend on yourself and what you give your time to, you've lost focus of why you're on the earth. Because we're here to make a difference to our generation. We're here to, to, to impact a generation, to win people to Christ. It says, you either hold to one or despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now, how many money is necessary? In fact, the one, it says money answers all things. So money is an answer. But how many know money has no power of its own? Money, when you take money in your hand, I forgot to bring some. When you put money in your hand, if I put money in someone's hand, it can either be a blessing, but the money will take on the characteristics of the owner. It will take on the characteristics of the owner. So if I give a youth outside on the street 100 pound, that money may become drug money. If I give it to a, a man sitting in the doorway drinking alcohol, that money will become alcoholic money. Money is not evil in its own. It's, it, it's the love of money that makes it evil. And people have killed for money even though they didn't see the money. It's the love of it. And we as Christians are not supposed to be in love with money. God, at least that you could say amen to. We as Christians should not be in love with money to the point we will give up God for money. And I the reason I say this, so many people I see, they would rather work on a Sunday, miss church for weeks and months and years to get money. But I've, when, I was a, when I was saved, I would give away all my high-paying hours so I could be in church with a family. And instead of working a job that pays 60 hours, I'd work a job that pays 35 hours, though I was desperate for the money. But God always came first. 
God always came first. And you've got to think about your life. Because you're pilgrim passing through, let me tell you, how many know when you die, everything stays here? And not does it only stay here, it goes to somebody else. If you've got no one to give it to, the government will gladly take it from you. And goes into their system. He says, therefore I say unto you, verse 25, take no thought, don't worry about your life. What you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Behold, the fowls are there, they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more, much better than that, than they? How many ever fed a bird? God used you. The rest of you, you're deaf, dumb, and blind to it. How many ever fed animals? You got, we got squirrels in our garden. Our squirrels are the fattest and most well-fed and well-kept squirrels in, in London. Because I go, I go, I stop because my wife told me off because they keep eating her plants. But I would go to the, sh the pet shop, I'd buy bags of nuts, I'd sprinkle the whole, all over the garden and watch the squirrels eat, they dig, they bury, and then when they've done that, they eat her plants. Because I think there must be some squirrel language because all the squirrels came from all over just to dine at our house. Uh, but I feed them. You feed birds, we put food out for birds. Do you not know it snows and it's cold? You don't throw little crumbs outside to feed the birds? You don't invest in a little bird thing to, and put... You don't do things like that? Oh, wow. God forbid I'm ever hungry around some of you. It says, Behold, the fowls are there, verse 27 says, Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to your statue? Worrying does not cause you to solve your problems. It says, and why take you thought for raiment, clothing? <clears throat> Consider the leaders of, leaders of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither they spin. Yet again I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe ye, O you of little faith? What God is saying, I'll be your provider. I'll be a provider. The only problem is how God provides, we don't want that kind of provision. Because God will give us what we need, not what we desire all the time. I guarantee everybody in here, your needs are met. Every person in here, I don't care what your background is, where you live, how much money you have, how much money you don't have, I guarantee you all your needs are met. Every need is met. You need air. Have you, can you breathe? You need clothes. Are you clothed? Not everyone answered. I'm going to get a blanket quickly, please. Are you all clothed? Yes. Do you have shoes? Yes. Do you have food at home? Yes. Do you have heating at home? Yes. you have what you need? Yes. Now, what you desire is a totally different subject. To get those, he says, you must delight yourself in him. You've got to sow, in, sow into him, time in with God, and then he says, I'll grant you the desires of your heart. But all your needs, he says, I, my God shall supply all your needs according to his. You say, I didn't have bus fare this morning, but you still have legs. Can you walk? Then he, he's providing your needs. Whatever you need, we already have what we need. So why are we worrying? And you know what? It, it, it's caused by discontent. Because what we're doing is we're trying to look at what other people have and then trying to raise our bar to measure with someone else. Just stay in your own lane. Don't worry about what the other person's got. You don't know how much debt they're in to get what they got. So you stay in your lane. You see a man driving a Lamborghini, a Porsche, a Ferrari, whatever it may be, and you're looking and saying, look at my bicycle. And the man, the man behind you watching your bicycle and says, I wish I could afford a bicycle. All I've got is my legs to walk. Then the one who behind him is looking at the man walking and he says, I wish I could, God could heal me so I can walk and use my legs. There's always someone worse than us. So if you look at what you have, take stock of what you have and get off the competition lane. Stop trying to compare yourself to somebody else because you don't know what they've done to get there, good or bad. You don't know what they've done. And you've got to learn to live your life according to your faith in God. It's no good me trying to live like, uh, what's his name, Richard Branson. I, I, you know, if I've done that, I may, I may commit crime. And if you're, if you're hasty to get rich, it won't be without pain. 
I hear? Are you here? Okay. So he says this, verse 30, verse, sorry, verse 31, Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewith shall we be clothed? How many have food? It's our need, right? Now, food, uh, I'll explain to you. Food, when we say food, we have our own interpretation of food is. Food for many is like, when you say food, I want steak, I want lobster, I want this. When I went out with my friend, he says to me, what do you want? I said, I've already eaten. And he says, but please, just for me, have something. So I had four scallops and I had a salad. And it was more than enough for me. Everyone else is ordering lobster. They want lobster. So I could have ordered lobster, but I didn't really need lobster. I didn't really need food. And when we interpret food, we have an interpretation of what food is. When we come in out of debt, you've got to change your lifestyle and you've got to change your diet. You've got to learn to eat smart. And you're not eating for pleasure, you're eating for survival. Have you ever been there? You've been there? Okay, you're going to go there by the time I finish today because you're going to see the difference. Okay, for after all these things, the Gentiles seek for your your heavenly Father knows what you have need of all these things. But here's the key. Here's the key. Right, mark this because this is the key. This is the turnkey for what I'm going to tell you. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. What things? He says, the things that Gentiles are seeking after, all these things will be added unto you. When we put God first, things will change. When we put God second, nothing changes except our circumstances, which continue to get worse. Take therefore no thought for tomorrow, for tomorrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto us is the the evil thereof. Today is enough. I don't need to worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will come in due time. Today is a good day. Today is a good day. My grandson, Ashley, I'm working with him. Ashley, I said, Ashley, every day, I said, it's a good day, Ashley. It's a good day. He wakes up miserable every day. Ashley, it's a good day. My God, Ashley, it's a good day. You're alive. You have family. You have a home. You're in school. You're bright. You're healthy. It's a good day. Some of you need to think like that. It's a good day. And what are we miserable about? Some of us don't even know what we're miserable about. We wake up in the morning and we just choose to be miserable. Not re- well, I don't have a car. Well, you have legs. I, you know, my job, I hate my job. Thank Your job is keeping you alive. It's a contention in your work that gets you, keeps you going. It's the waking up every morning and going into work, uh, going under that tube and all those, the traffic and everything, it keeps your senses alive. You, 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 I was at the, the dinner, someone took out a lottery ticket and said, um, they said, she's gambling. She's in church. They said, she's gambling. One of them shouted out, they knew I'm, they said, look, she's gambling. She has a lottery ticket. Now, I could have said, so, you know, gambling is wrong and, you know, don't do it. I just says, can I see the ticket, please? And I, I looked at the ticket, and I says, um, do you think you'll ever win this? She goes, I hope so, silly child. So I said, could you just look at this here on the top, the finger that looks like that? Can you look? Can you see that? It says 666. That means the devil runs it. That means you'll never stand a chance in hell. Hell will freeze over before you win the lottery. And everyone, all of them said, let me see, let me, they took out their phones, lights on. This, I never saw that before. Gambling ceased after this. So when you think, if I had a lot of money, you may never have a lot of money. And many of us live, we fail to live now, in this moment, enjoying this day, because we're worrying about what we don't have when we have more than enough today. You may not have everything you want, and you may never have everything you want, but you have everything you need. Can you say amen? When you look at people with new cars, you say, oh God, what happened to me? Just stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. One thing I learned, you stand at the bus stop, you miss a bus, you run to the bus stop, and the bus driver left you. Stay there long enough, another bus will come. 
someone get blessed, you should be rejoiced because that means there's one less on the list. I'm, I'm close. I'm at least one closer. It's the way you think, right? Amen. Now, flip over with me to uh, stay there in. No, go with me, First Timothy. I said First Timothy. I said First Timothy. I said First Timothy. What did I say? Did I say Second Timothy or First Timothy? I said First Timothy, right? Now, in First Timothy chapter six, say Amen when you're there. From verse six. He says this, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Question, are you content? No, really, don't say yes. Again, don't lie. Are you content? With what you have, are you good? Are you happy with what you have? Are you living in discontent because of what you don't have? Godliness with contentment is great gain. In other words, if I have what I have, and I recognize what I have, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. To be in a church like this, I'm blessed. I don't need to visit other churches. I'm good. I've got enough here. I, I, my food, I've got enough food. Whatever I have, I'm content. Whatever I'm wearing, I'm content. I'm, I'm grateful for everything that God has given me. I don't need to change and be jealous or envious of what other people have. That's theirs. That's between them and God. I don't know what they see, what seed they sowed to get what they got. But whatever, you know, I can't wake up one day and be in someone else's lane. I can't walk your journey for you or you can't walk mine for me. What it means is I've got to find my place with God where I'm content with what I have. It doesn't mean I'm going to remain the same. We were used to go to, the, to Heathrow Airport years ago when we finally got a car. And what we would do, we couldn't afford to go in the car park because you're like watching planes land. When, well, I mean, you all travel, so it ain't a big deal for you. We couldn't afford the car park, much as a plane. So we'll park on the hard, where it didn't have all this terrorism and all that. So you park there by the fence and you see the plane coming in. And this is a Sunday evening, this is our Sunday evening out. And we watch the planes land and eventually the police come, bloop, bloop, bloop. And you have to move on, go around, come back again, look at the next plane land. And that was our Sunday evening. We never even, we never dreamt of actually getting on a plane. We just wanted to see. Our goal was to get to Cornwall for holiday once a year after Christmas. And we always talk about it. And there's always something, always something else to pay. And we never, ever got to Cornwall. Never got the holiday. But you know what? We had life. And many of us are not content with what we have. <clears throat> Verse 7 says, For we brought nothing into this world, and it is a, a guarantee that we'll carry nothing out. So all the things we're striving for right now, what will it profit you when you die? Where, where, who's going to get it? If not your family, then it'll be, your, it'll be the government. They'll keep your money. So while we're striving and dissing God, we're leaving God in second base while we seek these things. When he told us before, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So I want you to understand, before you start getting out of debt, you've got to get your priorities right. Is God number one in your life? There's a question. You could say it with your mouth, but then Jesus has an answer for that. He says, these people draw nigh to me with their mouth, but their hearts are far from me. So it's one thing saying, yes, God is number one, but does our lives reflect that God is number one? We have put family, we put wife, children, uh, outings, and uh, all these different things, holidays. Everything comes before God. And I'm asking the question, is God number one in your life? This is a question you must ask. And if you say yes, does your life reflect it? Because you, you can say it, but it doesn't mean that it's true. Are you here? Are oh, you here? You've gone quiet on me now. He says, For we brought nothing into the world, and we will certainly carry nothing out of this world. And having food and raiment, let us there be, be content. What are we supposed to be content with? Food and clothes. Forget laptops and Mac and iPhone X and all these things. If you don't have any of those things, it's neither here nor there. We have food and we have clothes. We should be content. And it did not say designer clothes. It says clothing. Where was I? But okay. 
But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a sneer. Now, to be rich doesn't mean you're actually going after real money. How I many a lottery winner desires to be what? To be what? Rich. Hence why when you see they win it, it destroys their life. Because the Bible says prosperity will ruin the fool. How I many know if you, if you have, you, those of you in debt, if you said to me now, I'm earning 300 pounds a week. If I had 5,000 pounds a week, I'd be great. No, you'd be in a bigger debt. Because until you learn to curb your desires, you'll always be in debt. If I gave you 10,000 pounds a week, you'll still be in debt. If I give you a million pounds a week, you'll be even bigger debt. Because instead of buying clothes, you go buying houses and yachts and airplane tickets and all that. You'll be in a bigger debt. Until you learn to deal with the passion or the desire for the things of the world, you're never going to be free. You've got to get to the place, and I've said it before, you can wear the same clothes more than once. You can wear it more than twice. I believe everybody in this room, I, I, I actually believe everybody in this room has enough clothes today to not buy another piece of clothes till this time next year. Tell me if I'm wrong. Huh? We all do. We have so much. When I got saved, my wardrobe was open it. There's a couple of hangers in the wardrobe. It was my uniform for work. And my clothes, no clothes. It was what we had. It was, did you have yard clothes when you were growing up? And then you had Sunday best, right? Sunday best was for church. And your yard clothes is what you tear up, whatever. That's how we grew up. So we learned to value what we have. He says this, but they that will be rich fall into temptations and a sneer. The devil will trap you into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. God does not mind you having money. How many of you know one of the richest men ever in the world? And many of us think, if I can have this, if I can have that, and all it does is drive us into debt. It says, From, for the love of money, verse 10, for the love of money is the root of all evil, which some coveted after, covetousness is something we're going to cover, cover which while some covet after, they have erred from the faith. Hello? While they're coveting after money, they've walked away from the faith. I've seen young men, actually, I'm actually going to start another Lions, Young Lions group. I had, I, my wife was showing me because she keeps telling me, do the Young Lions. I said, it's a waste of time. And she, she, took a, she found a photograph of the ones I was mentoring, and she says, more remained than left. So, okay, point taken. So we're going to start. I'm going to do it where I'm going to select the men. Uh, I want to mentor you for about a year or two years. Um, we're going to go back to young lines. It says, but the love of money is the root of all evil, which some, because they love it, because they love it, not that they have it, they chase it. How many you know you could chase money and never catch it? I mean, the Bible says money has wings. It can fly away. Don't try to impress people with what you have. In fact, people with money don't want anyone to know they have it. It's the people without money show off and say, look what I've got. So they post. You don't see billionaires and millionaires on Facebook showing. It's the paupers on Facebook, look. Passing by London, Kensington, Knightsbridge and see a Lamborghini, a Ferrari, a Porsche or a Rolls and stand there like. Leaning on man car. You couldn't afford the petrol. But we want people to think we have what we don't have. And that's pride. Are you here? It says, for the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some covet after, they've erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things, follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, and love, patience, and meekness. Fight the good fight of faith, uh, lay hold on eternal life, run to thou art called, and has professed a good profession before many witnesses. Can you say amen? Now, let's talk about debt. You ready? You ready? Okay, you ready to get out of debt? Okay, let me go into a few things with you. Number one, your income must be greater than your outgoing. Now, if your income is less than your outgoing, you're in trouble. Companies do it. When, you're, when your income is less than your outgoing, you have staff and you're paying out more than what's coming in, you need to make cuts. Hence, they lay off people. Let, um, uh, what's that? Tesla has just laid off a load of people because they're saying that they're not making enough money. So what you've got to do in your personal life, if you're not, if you're not having enough coming in, you've got to make cuts. So we, now we do a stock take. 
going to do a stock take. What am I paying for that I don't need? How I many know you can, you can have a car, want a car, but you can't afford the car? Take a car and finance, but you can't pay it. You need to get rid of the, 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 make a cut, right? So this is what you do. Weigh out what comes in, <coughs> what, excuse me, what goes out. Then you've got to start evaluating your life. Number two, we, our credit cards are not an extension of our salary. I have a 10,000 pound credit card. I'm in 15,000 pound a year. I've got another card for 6,000 pound. So now my total is uh, not, not uh, 3,300 a week. My now total is I've got 15,000 on salary. I've got 10,000 on one card. That's 13,000. I've got 3,000. So I'm actually earning 16,000 pound. No, because you're going to get into trouble. Credit cards are not meant to be used for credit. The wise way to use a credit card is, I've seen some credit cards where they charge 1,390-something percent interest. You, you, know, you know what a revolving credit is? You ever been in a revolving door? You never get out. It just goes, supermarkets, join our credit card, take our credit card, we'll give you, we'll give you uh, this today. No, don't take it. If you have credit cards and you can't pay them, cut them up. And listen to me. You must, if you have debt, do not run, do not hide. Contact your creditors. Let them know you cannot pay the bill. Did you know most creditors, if you tell them, I can't afford to pay my bill, especially credit cards, if you owe £5,000 on a credit card and you say to the creditor, I can't pay it, they know they have no other way of getting it. You say, I'll make an offer. That's all I can get. I've got the money together. I've got £500, a one-off payment. Will you accept it? Most of them will say yes. Because they know they can't take you to court for it. They can't blacklist you for a credit card because it's not their money. They took the money from someone else. Yes? So you've you got to deal with your, with your, with your bills. <clears throat> that means if, how many know, they can't come to your house for a debt except it's government. And a debt can only be owed for, I think, a maximum of six years. After that, it's wiped out. Because it's only the inland revenue. You could, you could, you could live till 90. They're coming for you. Theirs, you can't, you can't, you can't go bankrupt. You, you, they, are, they will be on you the last breath. They say, give me my money. You, those people you need to deal with properly. Um, and, and most people, what they do is they hide when they have bills. Like, put the bill in a drawer. There ain't no angel in the drawer that's going to open and pay for you. You've got to open the bill, look at the bill, contact the person, and find out. You've got to learn to set up a payment plan. And what, the way you deal with your credit, take the little ones first and get those paid. And when you get to the giant, that giant now, because you don't have any others, it means that you're going to now be able to pay that off quicker. Are you here? Now, it says, let's be ready to make cutbacks. What cutbacks can I make? Now, this is where my wife and I did this for many years. We'll come home. In those days, we got paid in cash. So we'd sit around the dining table. We'd put her money on the table. She actually earned double what I earned. And women complain about what they earn. My wife earned double what I earned. And we put the money on the table and we go through, the first thing we do is we take our tithe out. Once we're good with God, we expect miracles. We give our tithe to God. Then we take our seed, because how many know, the minute you stop tithing, stop seeding, stop giving, there's no harvest coming. Imagine this, this image, the, the farmer on the field, he does, all he's got is a few, he's got bills to pay, and he decides he's going to eat the seed. How many of the field will be barren all year long? And many of us, what we do, the first thing we do is cut back with God. When, this is the way we did it. And we did our tithe first. We prayed over our tithe. We did our offering because we, we've got to keep seeding. The tithe belongs to God. My seed is what I sow into the, for my future. So we take our offering out. We take our tithe out. That's untouchable. That's gone. And the next thing now, we're going to figure out the bills. Who are we going to pay? What we're going to pay? We contact the different people, set up a payment plan. Those things are paid. Then we take out then our travel because obviously you've got to keep working. We take out our travel, and at the last thing we'll take out is food. 
Now, what's left determines how we're going to eat for the week. Because at the end of the day, I'm not, we were never fussy about food. So we will go, okay, sometimes she'll cook soup with white flour dumpling. How I many it fills you up quick? You know white flour dumpling? So we'll, we'll cook, she'll cook that with some peas, and you go to the butchers, you get the shoulder of the lamb. No, I want the leg of the lamb. No, the lamb, leg of lamb is a lot of money if you ain't got it. So you get the shoulder, which is the bone and the meat, and then you put the, you, you, she cuts that up in the stew and make peas and uh, soup and all that. She's a master of soup. And even without the, with that, she does vegetable soup, which is very healthy. Now, if you ate that, you're not eating for pleasure. You're on a course. To do this, to get out of debt, you've got to give at least one year of change of lifestyle. One year of sacrifice. Can you do that? One year sacrifice where you're going to say, okay, no holidays, no cinema, no eating out. Are you here? No new clothes. Are you here? What else do you buy? No new phone. What else do you buy? No more. You go natural for a year, baby girl. Natural, natural beauty for one year. No more giving the Chinese any more money. You're going to go natural. Makeup, minimize. Mac is expensive. <laughs> yeah, seriously, the makeup stays. When you're spending, listen, there are times you're going to make sacrifices. And if you do this, it, you're not in debt because you don't have enough. You're in debt because of mismanagement. You're buying things you don't need. And you don't need another outfit. You don't need another pair of trainers. You don't need another set of clothing. You don't need another handbag. What you need is to come together and you, you do your stock take. Here's my stock take. What I look at is I'm earning X amount. But my wife is not working. Now, if she can get to work, that brings us on another level. Amen. Women, you got to work. That's why God called you help meet. Help meet the need. And some of you women can earn more than us men. You're shot. Your brain is quicker than most of us men. You can go to offices. We're all driving buses and driving taxis. You don't drive taxis. You go into offices and get in the bank and you climb like you climb the ladder. And when, the, when you come home, you salary the man and say, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Are you here? So you're going to make some cutbacks. You're going to change your lifestyle. You don't need to buy anything else. I promise you now you've got more than enough to go through the whole year. Imagine if you remove your clothing bill for the year. How many deaths would that pay off? Here's another thing. What are we paying for that we don't need? Think about your bills, your phone bill. What, what, what contract do you have? Do you have one of those contracts that makes you broke every week? Listen, we had a car. When we got a, finally got a car, we couldn't afford the petrol like that. So one week we made a deal and we filled the tank full of petrol. And then what we'll do, I'll use, because where I worked, you couldn't get public transportation. And dropping the kids off, it was hard. So we, we used the car to go to work, to come back. And if we went to the supermarket, we'll use it for that. We never went driving out. We never did that. It was strictly to get to work and get back. And at the end of the week, we'll fill the tank back up again. And that's what we'll do. It was, it was, it was minimum of what we can do. But some of us have cars and we can't afford the car. Then you need to get rid of the car and maybe get rid of the debt and buy something. A little, we don't call it the runaround car, a little banger. As long as it's warm and the heater works and it doesn't break down, it's a good deal. So we need to check things like that. Things, what are you paying for? How many things have you got on credit that you don't need? How many things have you got? You know, phone bills. So, you know, phone bills can be like a, a mobile phone bill could be two, three hundred pounds a month. Yes. Have you ever traveled outside the UK and forgot your data roaming on? I did it one time. My bill was 2,000 pounds. Do you know what? Because I'm just data roaming. Data roaming, just go. Do you know what I did after that? I came back. I got me. It's in my bag now. I've got me a Wi-Fi box. I've got two Wi-Fi boxes, mobile data. 
<clears throat> I, it cost me, I think, 20 pounds a month. One is unlocked, one is for this country. Then I have one when I travel, first thing I do when I land in any country, I get a data roaming SIM. I put that into my phone. We both connect to it. We use WhatsApp to call home. We use WhatsApp for everything. We use it for the sat nav, whatever, the ways, whatever, but we don't let our phone bills run up abroad. And many times, think about the amount of phone calls you make that is it really necessary? Huh? Number, okay, number six, I think this is. I think it's number six. Well, six on my book anyway. You follow me. Okay. Prepare your mind and heart to sacrifice for at least a year. Could you put your head down for one year just to get out of debt? It means a change of lifestyle. It means I'm going to come down a little bit from where I am. And it means I'm going to not do the things I used to do. I guarantee you within the year you'll be out of debt. Listen, those of you getting married, you do not need a big wedding. What kind of brain do you have when you spend all your money on a wedding and got nowhere to live? I see engagement rings. You know how much my wife, she, we couldn't afford an engagement ring. I gave her a wedding band. It still fits her after 44 years. Thank you, Jesus. It still fits her after 44 years. The ring cost me 18 pounds. That was the ring. Our wedding cost us, I think, about four or 500 pounds. There's no, nothing to mem no memory to remember. Nothing wow about it. It was, we got married because we wanted to be together. Some of you get married to impress people. They don't give you money. For me, if I was getting married today, and I, I would just, uh, the reason I get married is because I want to be with the person, not to impress the world. And some of you go into weddings and come out in debt. If you're going to get married and go into debt, you best not get married. Because when you get married, the most important thing is where you're going to live. That's the most important thing. And I promise you, your guests come, they will, they'll eat your food, they'll drink your drink, and they give you squat. And here you are, like, everyone's like, oh, your wedding. Listen, do you know how long a wedding is? How long? How long is Christmas Day? How long is Christmas Day? You woke up? You got washed, you got dressed, you came to church at 10 o'clock. You went home, got home about 12 o'clock. By dinner at 5 o'clock, whatever. As soon as the presents open, it's gone. A wedding, when you get married, do not go into debt to get married. Stay in your lane. If all it is is you and your family go to a restaurant and sit down and have dinner, do it. In 40 years, you could do what we do, redo it again. But in the meantime... Think about where you're going to live. I've never found any room in a ring. <laughs> Everyone wants these 15,000 pound ring and these 20,000 pound engagement ring. You want sparkle, 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 sparkle. And then when you finish, the sparkle can't feed you. And you've got nowhere to live. Are you listening to me? That is, the, that is you, what you're doing. Your foundation is debt. And you know what? Do you know what people argue about most in their, in their marriage? Money. Money, say you know, money, say, let me hear you say the word. Some people over there just bow their heads. Are we in church? Money, sex, and lack of communication. And if you, if you let those, if you go into anything in debt, you're going to have problems. You're going to argue over money. Are you here? Number seven, you can't have everything you see. You can't have everything that you see. I'm going to speed up. I'm running out of time now. Number nine. Sorry. Number eight. I've said that already. Be ready for a lifestyle change. Number nine. I said that. Take stock. And both of you working. Can you get a, a better? Can you raise? Can you get a better job? Can you get a part-time job? Because how many know it's okay to work another job to bring in more income? Now, it's a shame when the woman's doing two, three jobs and the man's watching TV. I say you crossed the wrong lane and connected with a strange person. Number, number 10, stop borrowing. You can't borrow to pay off. You've got to get to the place where you can, you can manage it, okay? Number 11, let whoever is best with finances 
have handle the money. Some of you men, you are so arrogant and foolish. The woman is better than you at handling money, but I'm the man. But you're taking us down to nothing, man. And you say, I'm the man of the house. The Bible says you must be subject to me. I'll handle the money. But you can't pay your own petrol bills. Let whoever is best with the money handle the money. My mother, Ursula Eglantina Goodman, God bless her soul. I'll tell you that woman, she was tight. If she took out a five-pound note, the queen would want sunglasses. She held so tight. She sold the house for 13,000 pounds. The bank never saw a penny. Ursula carried it under her armpit like this. Put her handbag and carried that money everywhere. Everywhere she went. My father would come home, give her his pay slip. In those days, you used to get your paycheck. And if you were smart, you know how to do it. You get a pencil, roll one out, put it in your pocket. And say, it's short, 20 pounds. Those days are gone. But what she would do, she would pay. He would give her his money. She would give him his, his food, his travel. And, you know, lunchtime, you can take sandwiches to work. Did you know that? You could do packed lunch. Did you know you could do packed lunch? You don't have to buy a coffee for £3.50. You get a flask. We should get loads of coffee and whatever. You, you don't have to buy their food, the canteen food. You get your, your little thing with your little fruit and your little sandwiches. You take it out. And it all minimizes your spend. You get it? So you can take packed lunch to work. You don't have to buy food. You don't have to go to Costa or any of those and buy coffee. Take it, take, buy some plastic cups, make your tea when you're going out on your, uh, wherever, and take it with you. Can you say amen? Uh, number 12, set up payment plans that you can afford. Don't say to your creditors, oh, because they're harassing you. Oh, I, and those letters you get telling you someone's going to come around to your house, that they can't come to your house. It's illegal. They cannot come to your house. Only the inland revenue, those sort of places, or if you buy a car on finance, they can get a court order to come to your house to collect the car. But the credit cards, these people, and they threaten you court, court, just say to them, write back and say, please let me know the court date. They don't have a court date. But don't run from it and don't try not to pay because integrity says you should pay it. Amen? Okay. It says, uh, also, you can never stop sowing seed because it's your harvest. Also, there's something called raising your value. Every one of us in this room has a value on us. Everyone. Did you know in this marketplace you all have a value? What's your careers? Okay, Tesco's cash, uh, going through the machine. Bleep, bleep, bleep. Cashier. £7.50. That's your value. That's, how you, that's your value in the marketplace. <coughs> all you can do is sit there and scan, which takes no intelligence, barely. Even when you press the till, it tells you what to change to give. You put in how much intelligence I should give back. So it's £7.50. But then there's a manager. The manager is in charge of the whole store. His value may be £25 an hour because he's on a high level. But you go to general manager, the general manager may be £50 an hour because he's managing stores. So what your value is, if your value is too low, you need to stop what you're doing, go back to college or uni and raise your value. Qualify in something that causes your value to be raised. So instead of working in a cashier, there's a lady who was here years ago um, I, this, I said this, not, not in this message, but in the same thing, raise your value. She was actually working in Sainsbury's as a cashier. She invited us to come to her place, <coughs> three adult, three teenage children, single mother. When we went there, in my mind, I was thinking council flat. Because how does a mother with three grown children in private school afford a house? When I got there, it was all private houses. And then when I got to her house, it's a long drive and a detached house. And I'm like, how does this, how, I, said, I had to ask her, I said, please tell me, how did you do this? She says, you said that if we want a better life, we should raise our value. I quit working at Sainsbury's. I went back to college and then on to uni. I qualified as an accountant. I have my own accountancy firm now. So she drives a four-wheel drive. All the kids go to private school because she raised her value. If you're not earning enough, it's because your value is not high. Do you understand that? So if you are a PA, like if you're employed, like you drive a taxi, your, your value is X amount. A PA is X amount. But if you became a manager, it's higher. If you became your own boss, if you, and you know what you're doing, now you're worth a lot more money. Do you get it? 
So all you've got to do is think about it and raise your value. How many would like more? Change what you're doing. And you know, it's, again, it's a sacrifice to do that because you may have to go to school for two, three years. Some of you may have, you have to do it online. But whatever it is, once you've got qualifications, you're now worth a lot more in the marketplace. Are you learning anything? Okay, let me, let me wrap up. I want to go to one more scripture with you before we close. Before, write this down. I don't have time to give it to you now, but write this down. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 1 to 7. I'll, I'll paraphrase it. There was, there were, 2 Kings chapter, did I say? 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 1 to 7. I said it. So there's the, the, it, all these guys got together. They're building a place to live. They said to Elijah, the place, Elisha, the place is too small for us. And they borrowed an axe head. And the axe head, as they hit the, cut the tree, the axe head fell off and fell into the water. He says, at last, oh my Lord, what we're going to do is borrowed. He says, where did it fall? Elisha, Elijah, Elisha took a branch, threw it on, in the water, and the axe head floated. He says, pick it up. So God does cancel debt. God can help you cancel your debt. Then there's that woman also with uh, the child when she said, the, the debtors, the creditors come to take my child or children. And he says, what do you have in your, in your house? He says, I only have a little pot of oil. He says, go and borrow as many as you can and keep pouring. And God delivered her from debt. But it all comes down to the heart. Why do you want to be debt free? What will you do when you're debt free? Because your heart will determine what God will do for you. Are you here? Now, let's, go, let's close with this one. Go to uh, Luke with me, Luke chapter 12. Luke 12. <coughs> this is, for me, this is a great scripture. Verse 15 says, And he said unto them, Luke 12, 15, He said unto them, Take heed, beware of covetousness. Would you say, I, don't answer me, but I'm asking you a question in your heart. Would you say you're covetous? I, I, I'm not, I don't need to answer me. I'm just asking the question. I'm, I'm sending it out to your heart. So you ask yourself in your heart, am I covetous? <clears throat> Are you one of those that always have to have something new? Are you one of those, even though you have things, you won't give it away? You, do you know what I mean? You have things you don't use anymore, but you won't give it away. You, you're just holding on. Even things you, you've put weight on, and it's too small for you, but in your head, you won't give it away because you're thinking, oh, I might get slim again. I'm going to keep it just in case I get slim again. Well, by the time you get slim again, if it ever happens, it's old. And I understand Genesis 8, 22, seed time, harvest time. What you make happen for others, God will make happen for you. When you bless other people, it's a seed in your life. So you go through your wardrobe. You might not know anyone in church to give it to, but you can give it to the, the, the charities. We take clothes to the charities all the time. Give clothes away to the charities all the time. So you've got to start beginning to think seed time, harvest time, sow into other people's lives. Can you say amen? He says, beware of covetousness. Because how I many know if you're giving, you're not covetous? If you're a giver, it's hard to be covetous when you're a giver. Covetous is when you start looking at what other people have and wanting what they have. Whatever people have is their business, it's not my business. Okay? It says, beware of covetousness, for a man's life does not consist of in the abundance of the things which he possesses. So whatever I have, I can have Rolls Royces, Ferraris, Lamborghinis, Porsches, all, thousands of them. It does not define who I am. Are you here? My life does not consist in the abundance of things that I own. He spoke a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man bore forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. Now, this, is a, this man already has money. God has blessed him. And now he's got, he's got the barn. And instead of giving out what he has, he says, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to knock the barn down. I'm going to build bigger. And some of you are the same way. You know, I've got, now God has blessed me. I'm going to take that room and turn that into a full wardrobe. But you can't wear all that you have. In fact, the clothes, some of you have clothes you haven't worn for months. Because you keep wearing new ones all the time. You buy new ones every week. Or you just order all the time. Buying, buying, buying. But when do we get to the place where we say, I'm good? 
<clears throat> now, God, what can I do for your kingdom? When do we ever find a place of contentment where we can look at ourselves and say, you know what, God, you've blessed me. The shoes I'm wearing, I've been wearing for about four years. The suit I'm wearing, I don't know how long I've had it because I take care of everything I've got. And when you take your clothes and throw them down, you don't have no value on what you have because everything I have, I take care of it. When my suit's finished, I'll, I'll hang it, I'll get it to dry cleaners, and I'll keep it. I don't throw it down. I don't leave it for a week. I, I put everything back. As soon as I finish my shoes, I'll go to the office. I'll take them off. I'll put the shoe tree back in them. This morning before I came out, I polished them. I, I take care of what I've got. And if we take care of what we got, we won't need as much as we think we need. But because we don't take care of what we got, we're not good stewards. And because we don't take care of what we have, we, we end up where we just wasting money. My wife used to cut my hair. For years, she cut my hair. I couldn't afford to go to the barber. Do you need a hairdresser? If you're in debt, you get a friend over. Fix my hair for me. My mother did it. Her and her sisters come. They didn't have hairdressers. They come together. I mean, I mean, this is not what you do, but they had that iron comb in the fire. <laughs> Dear God, it always amazed me. And when they put it, and the smell, the grease, they greased it up. But I tell you, boy, when they finished that hair, you wouldn't know the difference. You think some stylist done their hair for them. But the difference is now with us, we want so much, and we don't take care of what we got. When you buy shoes, buy a pair of shoes going to last you. Some of you buy trainers, three, four hundred pounds, five hundred pounds. I've never paid a trainer for, for a thousand pounds. Actually, showed me trainers for a thousand pounds. I said, Boy, get your mind back in order. <laughs> and we, I've got trainers. I've got, I've got trainers. I'm not a lover of trainers. But, you know, they bought me trainers. And they bought me two for Christmas. And I, I've got trainers already that I haven't worn. So I put them in the cupboard. When the one I'm wearing is worn out, then I'll take one down. I don't, and they're nice trainers, but I'm not going to now wear them just to show people, hey, I've got new trainers. It, they're for my comfort, not to impress anybody else. Are you here? He says, he thought to himself saying, what shall I do because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, this I will do. I'll pull down my barns. I'll build greater. And there I'll bestow all my fruits and my goods. What reality is how many of fruit goes off? By the time you build a new one, the fruit's already gone off. And the bigger the barn, the quicker they're going to go off. What are you supposed to do? He should have called the people, his neighbors, and said, listen, this, I've been blessed. I've got so much here, I can't even, I've got nowhere to put it. And while you're coming, find the families that need and say, come in and help yourself. I've got an abundance. I can't even eat what I've got. So let me give this to you. Let me feed you. How many of you would have been blessed 10 times more? But what we do is we, we are the same as this man where we never seem to have enough. We're just so covetous of things. And as long as you're covetous, you're going to get into debt because you want what you can't afford. How many of you know when you're, when, you're, when you're getting out of debt, all these things, holidays, all these things have to go? That's an amen. <laughs> it says, and I would, verse 19 says, I'll say to my soul, 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 there was much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God stepped in. And God said, God said unto him, you fool. God called him a fool. This night, your soul shall be required of you. Then who shall these things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So is he that is, you want to be rich in the world, but not rich toward God. He has no relationship with God. Are you rich toward God? Is God's kingdom number one in your life? If you want to get out of debt, I've given you the, I've never preached this from a pulpit in my life. This is the first time. And I really, today I want to speak on the Holy Spirit. And I really felt impressed in my heart that this is what I'm supposed to teach you. If you apply it, I'll guarantee it will work. But you have, must have a paradigm shift. You must have a paradigm shift where you're no longer trying to live in the world as if it's your home. But the world is something you're passing through. How many of you don't put roots down in something you're passing through? 
You've been on the motorway. Whoever stopped on the motorway passing through uh, Birmingham and says, you know, let me stop and buy something here. You don't put roots down because you're passing through. We're here. Yes, God doesn't mind you having a house. God doesn't mind you having five cars. God doesn't mind what you have as long as your heart's right. I, I have this, but God, anytime you want it, take it. Solomon was a wealthy, wealthy man. Solomon was a very wealthy man. God made him wealthy. But your heart has to be right. Your heart must be right. That's the main thing, the right mindset, the right heart. As a man thinks in his heart, when God is number one, and some of you, you come to church now and again, I promise you this, you're not giving your heart to God. You're not living for him. He is not number one in your life. Let me tell you, when you love, you give everything. When you love, I've already phoned my wife twice this morning since I've been here. I've called, and as soon as I finish here, I'm getting on the phone. How are you? Did you watch the service? How are you feeling? Is there anything you want me to get you? Last night, I said to you before I left, is there anything I can get for you so you don't have to walk around? Can I fix you something so you don't have to walk around? Let me make a bed for you downstairs. I said, actually, put the TV on, because she wouldn't know how to do it. Put the TV on onto the, so she could get the church service up where she sit there um, and relax. And as soon as we get home, is there anything you need? When you love, you want to give. You give to what you love to. You give time, you give money. Amen. Stand your feet with me. Thank you for listening to this message. If you'd like more information on the church, please visit us at b2bcommunitychurch.com or you can contact us at b2bchurch at aol.co.uk. God bless you.